1: What's up nerds? This is just a couple arslings, the Last Kingdom Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Toomer. And I'm Alyssa Fixie. We're writers for Sci-Fi Wares fangirls who started
0: recapping The Last Kingdom in season three, so we decided to bring that nerdy, horny energy to Podcastlandia. Jessica,
1: how are you? It's a beautiful Friday. We made it through the week. I'm taking my jacket off now because like I know I'm just going to get so heated with our small talk combo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Guys, we've really put a lot of thought into what we're going to talk about for our small talk uh, to get the episode started, which we normally don't do. Normally it is just small talk, but I feel like we're both like, sufficiently enraged it's (laughs) just from the week.
0: Right. It's a little less freewheeling than it usually is. Like, we usually have a pretty good idea of what we're going to talk about, but, like, we've got quotes, we've got sources, (laughs) we're a little heated because, you know, things are bad in the real world, but things are also bad in movie world, and we want to talk about it. Yeah, it's too much bad. Yeah. So like
1: if if the real world is going to shit, I want my movie world to like be my escape, mm. but that's not that's how it's not going possible right now either. No. Um so of course we're talking about all of this Joker nonsense. I mean, I, I'll go ahead and say it. I was never excited for this movie. Me either. Um so like there's a there's definite bias here. Um <laughs> just because I feel like the Joker has been done and done and done and uh, in our current kind of climate, he does not need to be done. No. Um, and also, I mean, once you have Heath Ledger, the Joker, just everyone else sit down. Right. I mean, there's no point. He's, we already,
0: he, oh, we already <sighs> saw Jared Leto shit the bed, and it's just— Oh, my God. Butcher it. I just—you know, here's the thing for me. Like, outside of the political idea, the Joker is such, like, this— you know, agent of chaos that I don't really want his whole backstory explained to me. Like, I don't need to know every single detail about why he is the way that he is. Like, it's okay for there to be mystery there. I like for there to be mystery there. And especially with a character like the Joker. And so it just, Mm -hmm. not only does it feel really tone deaf, it's so unnecessary too. So, but yeah, so there was, there's been some controversy around this movie, basically since it was announced, that it would sort of serve as this sort of standard bearer for the incel community and just these disaffected white men who think that the world is unkind to them and who think that, you know, they deserve a different life and are willing to be violent to take it. And, you know, surprisingly enough, the white men who made this movie have not responded well to the criticism (laughs)
1: Are we surprised? Mm. (laughs) White men not responding well to criticism is not a shock? That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So Todd Phillips is the director of this. Um, Todd Phillips
0: of the classic Hangover films. So you know a lot of nuance. A lot of nuance in his uh, filmmaking.
1: Right. And did he do all three? I want to say yes. Yes. Let me okay, so. Let me double you. You keep talking, oh, and I'm gonna let's fact do check. our research. Right? Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking. If he did all three, this is also a man who doesn't know when to stop mm. because he should have stopped at number one. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix plays uh, the Joker, which I don't think that's. I think he goes by like a different name for most of the movie because this is. An origin this is story. basically like an origin story for the Joker. He's a sad, sad boy. Yes, and um,
0: he did indeed direct
1: all three Hangover films. I knew it. Yeah, I knew it. So <laughs> obviously, there's a there's no like self editing with this dude. Yeah. Um, and that makes me worried <laughs> for the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So it, basically, if you've seen trailers, it it just looks like this is going to be a movie about a white guy who's super sad. The world has like treated him bad, and um he's kind of lashing out against that which I feel like that's not again I want my movies to kind of be an escape or at least like a a conversation starter Mm -hmm. but I don't want to have that conversation and this isn't an escape because that's the world we live in white men are very pissed off right now about their lot in the world and I just don't want to give anyone any more fuel you know yeah yeah
0: Phillips spoke to AP about this, and I'm going to read the quote because there's a lot to unpack here. And he he was talking about the controversy and how he thinks it's unfair. Um, And so basically what he said is the movie still takes place in a fictional world. It can have real world implications and opinions, but it's a fictional character in a fictional world that's been around for 80 years. The one criticism that bugs me more is the toxic white male thing when you go, oh, I just saw John Wick 3. He's a white male who kills 300 people and everybody's laughing and hooting and hollering. Why does this movie get held to different standards? It honestly doesn't make sense to me.
1: Okay, first of all. Keep Keanu Reeves' name out of your fucking mouth. Okay, Ty? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Like,
0: like with John Wick, first of all, Keanu Reeves is not white. Keanu Reeves is Asian American. Um, Yes. Second of all, the idea that the John Wick universe is so heavily stylized and so Mm. far removed from anything realistic. And it's not like... John Wick is going on a killing spree of innocence you know like he's not just like gunning people down in the street he follows a code he only kills other assassins like it's very contained you know what I mean so it's not like he's pissed off at his lot and he goes on a killing spree like sure Somebody killed his dog and that's sort of what gets him started. But it's not just like random killing because he's pissed because, you know, his next door neighbor doesn't reciprocate his romantic advances and he thinks he deserves a better job. Like he's on a mission of revenge and he's only killing people who are trying to kill him.
1: There's a there's a sense of like reluctance with John Wick, I would say. Sure. like It's not he doesn't necessarily he's good at what he does, but it doesn't necessarily mean. He enjoys it. And I feel like that's flipped with the Joker.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. It's a real false equivalency thing that I find very purposefully obtuse in a way that is just infuriating. Um, And, you know, Joaquin Phoenix hasn't really said much about this because he keeps walking out of. Well, he walked out of an Mm. interview um, with uh, IGN and they asked him if this, you know, if this movie would serve as sort of an inspiration for potential killers. And instead of answering the question, he just kind of left the interview. It says uh, they had to do an hour's peace brokering with Warner Brothers PR following this interview. And Joaquin Phoenix explained that he panicked because he hadn't been asked that question before and he didn't answer it. So mm. the idea that you could make this kind of movie in this kind of political climate and not consider those questions is that's insane to me. Like that is just that is just—that proves that you're so far removed from reality that you shouldn't be telling a story like this. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have the cultural context of why this could be incendiary, you shouldn't be making this story. It should be entrusted yeah. to somebody else or not told at all at this point.
1: So I think also the way it's been made should be, like, talked about. So, like, Mm. you know, he uses this excuse of this is a fictional world. It's existed for 80-plus years, uh, which is true. Like, the Joker is a comic book character. But if you see this movie, if you see even the trailer for this movie, he's done a lot to make it feel very real. Mm -hmm. To make this world that uh, the Joker—he goes by Arthur in this movie— To make it feel like a real world, to make it feel like this could be happening, like, literally right down the street from you. And so that's a difference to me from even, you know, how Nolan approached the Batman Mm -hmm. series or how Marvel approaches, like, its Avengers things. Like, there's there's an effort to be in the real world, but there's enough kind of, like, you know, superhero sci-fi fantasy shit to... Mm -hmm. You know, at least trigger something in your mind of, like, okay, this is just a movie, you know? Right. For this, I feel like, especially for people that are um, susceptible or um, already leaning uh, that way, Mm -hmm. to see someone like this character— kind of just go off the rails in such a visceral and real like just such a real way yeah i feel like it could be it could be very dangerous and i don't think that's you know he also spoke to um the washington post todd phillips did um you know about they're just being outraged because it's a commodity and people are familiar with it and uh he kind of blames the far left a little bit for getting so upset and brings up cancel culture and it's like oh my god (laughs) it's you know what? It's not. One, I have a problem with that term cancel culture, but well, I it feel doesn't like it,
0: it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, show me a man who's had to face consequences for the Me Too movement that is like really, truly had his life ruined because it doesn't exist. Like maybe Harvey Weinstein, maybe, but at the same time, like, good he deserves it. You know? And yeah, so this whole this whole idea of uh oh, cancel culture, how will they make a living? They don't need like here's the thing. That idea that you'll ruin somebody's life by denying them the greatest job in the world is the fact that that I don't know. I just I get so I get so angry about the idea of cancel culture that I can't even articulate my thoughts right now. But I just No, I totally get it. Yeah, and it's just we're not saying that these men need to die or whatever. It's just they need to face up for the, th- the you know, the crimes they've committed or whatever and not be given a free pass, you know. And right. so the idea of facing consequences, the idea that facing consequences is so over the top is insane to me. So. I just and, you know, it's funny, like you mentioned how they've made such, you know, made the world feel so lived in and down to earth and realistic. And that's been something they've talked about in the past, you know, in making this movie that they wanted it to be a more grounded, earthy version of a superhero narrative or a supervillain narrative in this way. And, to you know, to pull that and then be like, but it's a fictional world like you can't have it both ways, you know, is it fictional or are you trying to make it realistic like. You can't have it both ways.
1: Yeah, like he literally. I think I'm gonna find this. He told the rap, he, I said he said I literally described to Joaquin at one point in those three months as like, look, this is, at this as a way to sneak a real movie in the studio system under the guise of a comic book film. Yeah, those are his words. Right. Uh, yeah. Don't don't fall back on that. Oh, it's just fiction. Like, no, you did you did your like hardest. You worked as hard as you could to make it seem real and so if things happen like and this is what really bothers me is because so now you know people have to in this climate that we're in if you want to go see this movie or if you want to go see the movies at all when the joker comes out you have to think about how are how are people going to receive this movie like that's That's the public's job now. That's these theaters' jobs. That's the studio's job. Like, you're putting a burden on everyone by putting this movie out. And, I mean, I hope to God, like, nothing happens. But it just feels like, it feels like, why are you treading that line? You know what I mean? What was the purpose of this? Why stoke
0: that fire? You know what I mean? Right. And What
1: could you possibly have to say on the subject that would, like, enlighten things further That would make it worth this kind of risk. Sure. And I guess, like, going back to,
0: like, you know, how could they not have foreseen this? Like, you can't make a movie like this about a character like this without expecting controversy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for them to be like, oh, this isn't fair. How dare people, you know, be upset about this? How how could you not see this coming? Like, how can you be so angry that this is happening when— there's no way you could have known or not known that this was going to be a controversial film. And I feel like if you're going to make a controversial film, like, stick to your guns and accept stand it. Stand by it. Like, stand yeah. by it. Stop whining about, you know, people who don't understand your art or whatever. But, like, well, and another crazy thing to me is it got pretty good reviews. Like, uh, was it, did it play at Venice? Was it Venice
1: that it played at? And maybe Toronto? I feel like it did. It played at Toronto, I know. It, I think it did. Open at Venice.
0: Yeah, and I want to say it, like, won an audience award. So it's not like... Yeah, so it's
1: not... There's talk of, like, Joaquin Phoenix getting an Oscar for this. Oh, God. Which, like... I know.
0: And, you know, I just... It's so ridiculous. And for him to be whining about people whining about his movie, like, that's just... That is the most snowflake bullshit I've ever heard. You know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, yeah. why isn't everybody reacting to this movie exactly like I wanted them to? That's just, well, it's so, I can't, I
1: can't. Anytime you have films open at like festivals like this, mm-hmm. it's a, when you go to a film festival, it's a bubble, right? You know, you're, you're with all these other critics um, and industry people. You're going to see the same movies. So you're just talking them up, talking them up all the time right. for that short amount of time that you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that, whether or not we realize it does, that does influence how you receive and review a movie. Yeah. And so I feel like they were, they started off with, you know, such a cushion of like, oh, all of these critics at these film festivals are really enjoying it. They're giving it really great marks. Joaquin's getting noticed for his acting. Like, and I feel like that set them up like for a discourse that was much softer than in reality. So when it hits, you know, the wider market when people who haven't been to a film festival and you know what I mean it's just a different it plays different and I think we have to start thinking about that too in terms of like how we you know talk about movies even just as like critics I think some of that is on us to realize like we can appreciate maybe we can appreciate the artistry or maybe we can appreciate like if Joaquin Phoenix is like super good in this role and he just dives in or something, but you have to then remove yourself from the artistic level of, like, looking at a film and think about, like, the real-world world consequences. I feel like in this age, you have to do that. Sure. I mean, nothing
0: Nothing is released in a vacuum, you know? Like, right. Like, sure, we would love to just be able to take things at, you know, artistic value. And I'm sure it's a well-made film. I'm sure Joaquin Phoenix is incredible. He's almost always incredible. And so, but it just it feels irresponsible mm-hmm. and i think i think this sort of unwillingness to grapple with that on the part of the filmmakers is really frustrating to me so but yep. anyway let's talk about better things
1: well i mean let's talk about other sad boys right. but they're not as <laughs> problematic <laughs> Let's We're talk trying. about We're wrong,
0: wronged men who channel their rage into a more appropriate outlet. Let's say right.
1: that. Let's talk about Uhtred.
0: Uhtred <laughs> is at sea on the slave ship in season two, episode three. And it just, I mean, there have been a lot of moments on this show where I'm like, God, that looks fucking miserable. And this was just mm. the one that takes the cake. Start
1: looking out of a grave. That will not be our fate. Uh, I swear to you, uh, I think these bastards are bother. Uh, they're gonna hold
0: for you. Uh, we're destined to be tossed overboard with the rest of the ship. That's how you fin it. It'd be my own bad luck if I got tossed overboard alive.
1: I can't uh. swim. There's a reason I like don't do cruises mm. or like do any kind of boating activities. Yeah. Like, and this is why. Yeah, the um, open
0: ocean is terrifying. Like I'll go out on a terrifying. boat on a lake, but the ocean—that's
1: uh, a hard no. Look, I've—I've, I've, you know, I live at the beach, and I've—I've I've sure. been out, obviously, on the ocean on a boat. Um, but my one stipulation is, I always have to see land because I always have to know that there's a possibility I could swim back to shore right, right. if the worst <laughs> happened. Uh, that's not the case here for Uhtred no. and Hallig and the rest of these slaves, uh, poor guys. They're they're kind of shackled um, underneath, you know, the floorboards of this boat, and they're just rowing their asses off, yeah, you know, to get these slave masters wherever they need to go. I'm assuming they're picking up more slaves or selling people. Um, it's, it's wet and, uh, there's a lot of seasickness. Poor, oh, poor Halig. Halig um, is having, he has. Needs some oh, of those bracelets has, or some Dramamine. I
0: think <laughs> this might be beyond Dramamine's aid at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're telling me they don't have natural Dramamine <sighs> in medieval times? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They live. Uh, but yeah, Halig, he's got, he has such a rough time this episode. It breaks my heart. And we meet one of my personal favorite characters. <laughs>
1: Finnan is here. He's the yes. best Irish prince of my heart. Let's oh my God, do it. My God, our little <laughs> hunky sack of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Finnan. I mean, even in this state, so you know they do a really good job of making Utrid and Finnan and the rest of them look just worn down yeah. I mean there's scabs there's cracking lips it's I mean, awful it's, it's Ugh, bad it's so sad and so Finnan is not the sexiest he will ever be on the show but there's just something about like when he first kind of pops up behind Uhtred as we see a shot of, like, Uhtred rowing, I'm just like, yes. Hey, what's like, up? That's Now a good good, we're getting somewhere. That's a good-looking <laughs> beard, despite being <laughs> on a
0: pretty rough boat. Who's this dude? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, one thing I do really love about the scenes on the slave ship is— and which sounds, like, really awful to say that I love anything about these scenes— but I love that they're still showing, like, even in these horrible circumstances, you can see why people— follow Uhtred, you know, when Mm -hmm. he, like, pulls Halig aside and he's like, you're a warrior, you know, we're we're in this together, I won't leave you, we'll make it to land, when Halig is, like, losing his mind, and Mm -hmm. he sort of gives him sort of a clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose kind of inspiring speech, and I'm like, and I'm like, Coach Taylor, (laughs) (laughs) and I was just like, yeah, like, I get why people are so willing to follow him because he's an inspiring dude. And, you know, it's not like he's expecting Halig to, like, do all the work for him because he's a lord or whatever. Like, he's down there with them rowing just as hard and just as shitty of conditions. And, yeah, that would inspire me to, like, keep rowing, too, because I knew that, you know, Utrid was in there with me.
1: I think it kind of goes back to um, last episode before Bayoka leaves, he tells Uhtred, um, you have a good heart. Like, mm-hmm. I pray that never changes. And I think that's true. I yeah. think the reason that people find him so inspiring and so motivating and will follow him into battle and to death is because he is, he is a loyal person. He really cares. If he says he cares for you, if he takes you into his service, if you become one of his friends, like, that's for life yeah. to him. Yeah. So, and I think, That's very different from anyone else on this show, Um, especially especially the men who are in power or are kind of searching for power. Um, I think there's a like a a tendency to kind of see people as disposable. Alfred certainly does. Um, But Uhtred never does. I mean, he he has ambitions like the rest of them, but he doesn't see people As just things to throw away when they're no longer of use. And you see that on this ship. You see that in the way he kind of protects his men. Even when he's just exhausted. I mean, like, I would just be, like, out dead by by this point. Oh, yeah. He's still, like, taking those buckets and getting water out of there. Because he knows, like, if you sit in that water, your your skin's going to start molding. You're not going to—we're not going to be able to get out of here. He is able to— keep his head in really, really difficult situations. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something else that people respect because that's a really, that's something I feel like you're kind of born with or not. You know what I mean? That ability to kind of think under pressure, or at least it's fashioned into you in some way. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Yeah, I would definitely—I wouldn't want to be on the ship, but, like, if Uhtred was there, I'd feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's really an interesting
0: contrast between Uhtred and, like, what's going on with Guthrid as he's, like, trying to hold on to his Mm. power, and he's making every wrong decision because he's listening to that horrible abbot who doesn't know what he's talking about. And, like, as soon as Uhtred is gone, because of how he handled that, like— they lose Uhtred's uncle Elfric as an uh, ally. They lose the brothers. Like, he loses all of his allies in one meeting because he just, like—because <laughs> he totally bungles everything. Like, he can't stand firm and stand by Utrid, but he also can't, like, you know— Completely disregard him either and it's just like you have to shit or get off the pot because people are not going to respond well to a wishy-washy leader and that's exactly what he is. We leave tomorrow. Lord, I beg you. My business here is over. Goodbye, Lord Elfridge. So nice to meet you.
1: Enjoy the long walk home to Babenburg. Good friend, by saving Uhtred, what you now have is a chaos of your own making. Chaos. If Aelfrich is not with us, then the ground has shifted. We'll take no part in the siege of Dunholm. Eric, we must. We have an agreement. We have plans. we will no longer involve the brothers. And it's funny because if you remember last episode, Uhtred has this conversation with him. He yeah. says, you cannot be a friend to everyone. You're a king. Right. Sometimes you have to inspire fear. Sometimes you have to stand strong in, like, an opinion. Yeah. If people hate you for it, they hate you for it. But that's your role. And... That's something that uh, Gudrid has, has just never learned how to do. No, I mean he's and I don't know why people are expecting him to know how to do that because he's he's such grown up a slave. He's such a dweeb. He of course he's not gonna like
0: have a backbone. Like he he's a
1: people pleaser. Yeah. I mean if you were if you were raised in captivity in that way and like every day just hung on you making sure you didn't piss off your masters mm-hmm. enough to where they beat you to death. Yeah, I mean how's that gonna inform You know, how you take on this position of power. I think we see that because he is just, he grows more spineless by the day. And uh, the brothers are not having it. Aelvritch is pretty pissed that he didn't have, like, you know, Uhtred's head waiting in a box. Mm. Um, So, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Guthrie. And then, also, to kind of rub salt on the wound, Gisela pieces out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which, go girl, run to that
0: nunnery. Yeah, get out of there. Like, Gis- it's very clear that Gisela got all of the backbone in this family. Like, mm-hmm. she is not going to be a tool for her brother. She's going to wait it out with some nuns until Utrid shows back up. And it's just. I love her. She's amazing, and yeah, but yeah. As soon as Aelfric is like, "Oh, so Utrecht was fond of her?" Yeah, of course I'll marry her. Of course I'm like, Ugh, oh, "Get out of here, man! Like get out of here!" God, he has. He's so obsessed. I mean, it's like it's super. It's, it's super weird because, like, weird. you know, you stole his land. Like he hasn't. You know, you started this, my man. And again. They don't want to face consequences for their own
1: actions. <laughs> it, it's it's very strange because, yes, so he's the one who took Bevenberg. He tried to kill him when he was a boy. Okay, haven't seen him in, like, how many years, you know? A while. Well, and, I guess
0: he sort of stopped up or, you know, rocked up and was like, hey— you know, I'm going to take this back from you. So Right, true, true. But so at the same time, going. it's like, he showed up with just him and Brita on a couple of horses. Like, he's not <laughs> a threat, really, to his position. <laughs>
1: and, well, at that point, he wasn't. But now, I guess he's got, you know... Now, he's a little bit more. Right, he's, but it just, it does feel like he's, like, Eofridge is, like, almost angry. L- like you said, like, he's he's responding to something Uhtred has done when it's th- the complete opposite, yeah. you know? And... I think that that's just like the fear, how he's dealing with the fear of like Uhtred taking what he knows is is belongs to Uhtred. I mean, he he knows that that's not his place and and his right. And um, yeah, it's really frustrating how much uh, these dudes like to use women as pawns and move them around and like just hurt each other with them. And ugh, God, it's so gross. That was like a recurring theme this episode, I felt like. Yeah. How we, like, use women. Each time I talk of swords and spears, and yet you insist on speaking of unions. A
0: a cup of water for Lord Chairwolf? Uh A cup of water? Uh I think perhaps a hole in the ground. You know, we've got the Mercians rock up to Wessex and are like, all right, let's make this match. And that old man... Kea Wolf, who was like, is there a male equivalent of a crone? Because that's who that guy was. Like, <laughs> screaming at, screaming at Alfred, pointing his finger. Just give him a fucking sword, right. dude, so shut right. up. Right. And when that guy like, it was so strange. He like, was so intense. And then he just dies at dinner. And I'm like, alright, so he died like, choking on the scenery that he was chewing in every second that he was on screen. But it was mm. just like, that whole that whole using women as like political property to be traded and whatever is just so ick, you know, it's just that. But that was the way it was back then. But yikes, Damn. yikes. And I, you know, it's one of those things like you can tell that Alfred really does love Athelflet a lot. So he doesn't sure. want to just like give her away to whoever. But I feel like Aelswith is a little bit more blinded by the political possibility, especially since she was also from Mercia. To, so to right. have her daughter sort of return to that is very very appealing to her, whether or not it's the best thing for Aethelflaed. Sorry, all these ales and Athels. I'm like, whoa. Ailes,
1: Athels? Um, no, I think I think another thing with Aelswith is, so this has, it's, because it did strike me as weird, I think, to see Alfred really kind of hesitant about this mm-hmm. and ails with like all in because yeah. I would just assume, you know, that's her mother. Like you're going to be very protective of your daughter, whereas the dad maybe is thinking more like long term in terms of power in England and this unification that he's planning. Yeah. Um, But I feel like ails with. Yes, yeah, she's from Mercier and this has happened to her. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's she's gone through what Ethelflet um, is now going to go through. She got relatively It worked out pretty right, well I was going to say <laughs> she got relatively
0: lucky like Alfred has his flaws and has shagged quite a few servant girls but like he's not he's not cruel to her
1: you know like he's No he's not abusive right. he listens to her he values her um, input he's got big ambitions sure. he's you know everyone basically respects him and thinks he's going to be this king of a unified England yeah. and so I think with only expects things to be even better for Aethelflaed when she goes to Mercia. I don't think she really thinks like, oh, well, maybe I just got it good and my daughter might not, you know? Yeah. And, you know, in this episode, you can see that
0: Aethelflaed is pretty excited about potentially marrying Athelred, too, because, you know, she's young and he's got that pretty sexually non-threatening vibe that, like, everybody's into when they're about, like, 15, 16. Like, he's... the curly hair. Yeah, he's basically, like, (laughs) the Legolas of the Last Kingdom, except evil. (laughs) Except he's
1: really evil. Right. No, and I feel terrible. So, uh, Toby Rugbo plays um, uh, Athelred Mm -hmm. on the show, Mm -hmm. and... I don't know. Did you ever watch that CW series, Rain? I think I got like four or five episodes in and I just,
0: I couldn't handle,
1: I couldn't it's handle totally it. It's totally inaccurate. So I get, so that's what I assumed. Like you would really not yeah, enjoy the I, historical I inaccuracy. I couldn't do it. But the costume, I was in it for the costumes. Well, see the so costumes. I stayed a bit longer. <laughs> the costumes <laughs> were what killed me. I'm
0: like, it looks like they just oh, I like. I loved it. Shopped it. <laughs> Hay Sauce and got their, you know, yes, their, their, it was like their their <laughs> festival wear for that year. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it.
1: It was like hipster France and yes. like the 1700s <laughs> or something. I fucking loved it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't so, for but me. But he was in that. It, he was in... He played Francis in that, and so Francis was, like, a really—he was a really good dude. And yeah. So it's hard because I just see him as that, but it's, like, I know that he's going to be just this terrible person. Well, he's got such, um, like, an angelic face that it it, it almost makes, like, his to. future <laughs>
0: evilness, like, even more upsetting. So you're, like, ah. Because
1: you can't predict it. Right. You don't see it coming. Right.
0: Right, which is which is terrible to like equate someone's looks with their evilness. I know that's a terrible trope. Sorry, Sorry. Toby. But, like
1: it's, <laughs> it's it not clips. your fault. You have beautiful golden <laughs> curls and baby face skin. Right. And- <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, it's gonna be bad. We yeah, it's gonna be bad. So
1: poor Ethelred. Okay. So anyway, this negotiation is happening over dinner, kind of red wedding style. Right. Um, A little less betrayal, just, you know, (laughs) just your heart giving Um, out the natural way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Ailswith kind of snatches up that letter that he brings while everyone else is checking the dude's pulse. Finds out that Ethelred was the choice to marry Ethelfled, and that, is just, um, that those names together, I can't. I know why do they have to rhyme? Why do they have to oh. rhyme? It's so it's um, the same name basically. <laughs> basically, like who came up with these names back then? Yeah, because they were real lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, they all start with like an A and E and L. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Anyway. Um, we're doing this for you guys, okay? <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, that, that negotiation, it still goes on. Um, you know, after after the guy dies, uh, Alfred sends some swords to, to Mercia. Um, and then Ethelred comes back and is like, thanks for the help. Really appreciate it. Would totally love to marry your daughter. I'm thinking she's worth 3,000 coins. And then they're like, mm, And he's like, oh, 4,000? And then they're like, mm, We're thinking more are permanent. Yeah. And so... They basically barter for Fled to have land and titles, yeah. um, which would really which uh, is smart. cement her place. Super smart. Yeah. Very so smart. She don't need money. No. Like, she needs security. Yeah. And security back then is in land and titles. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's almost, like, the first, looking back on it now. So I didn't expect Ethelred to be, like, terrible. Yeah. But looking back on it now, knowing how he is, like, that's the first kind of cue. The way he reacts to that, which is, like... It's it's like that pushback from Alfred mm-hmm. is a little bit grating to him, yeah. You know, so he's come in thinking, "Oh, I'm giving you like a lot of money. You should just be happy with this." Right. And when something else is asked for, he's like, oh, "Yeah, I guess." You know, like I don't know. I just felt like there was a little bit of a vibe there that I should have picked on picked up on the first time, and that Alfred definitely should have picked up on. Yeah, um, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Again. Right. We'll blame the curls.
0: Yeah. And, you know, while this is all going on, you've got Hild and you've got Ragnar and you've got Steapa like, scouring the land. Beautiful little trio. Uh, so good. I was I forgot that Brita didn't go with them, which, like, makes sense because then, you know, Ragnar and Brita would have rocked off to wherever. But sure. I, these three, they're on the road to find Utrid and they're just, like, so dedicated. And you're just like, ugh, I'm so glad he has people who give a shit about him. And, you know, you you sort of see when they go to Efferwich, and Citric sort of passes her the message, you know, letting her know more, letting Hild know more information about, you know, where Uhtred went. And there's he has so many people who are so loyal to him. And that just it warms my heart. And, it, you know, we got to talk about what happens to Hayleg, too, because mm. he just he was a very good boy, but he was never going to make it.
1: He wasn't long for this world. No, they um. So they they end up surviving the boat, and they dock off in winter in Iceland, mm-hmm. and like they're kind of like chopping trees Which and still like doing work. It looked
0: like the least efficient way to chop chop down a tree ever. Just like
1: yes. All these men are going to hold a rope, but only one person is chopping. Right. <laughs> like,
0: and I understand I And it. I understand that it's like it's about control because there's, you know, there's way more slaves and there are guys running it. And so they have to sort of build up this culture of fear and all that. But like, geez, like it's going to take you 17 years to chop down one tree and it just. One tree. Yeah. yeah so they sort of they almost get away. Haley gets shot with an arrow. And as. um Finnan and Utred are trying to like get a boat out to sea. They can't leave Halig behind, even though he's been mm-hmm. shot. And so they get taken. And I kind of laughed a little bit because, like, you know, they have these guys chasing him and they've got these dogs. And they're-I think we're supposed to believe that they're like big, terrifying dogs. Except that when we get <laughs> they're, just, they're just like huskies. They look super friendly. I'm like, those dogs just want to like play around. Like, those
1: dogs aren't gonna hurt you. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I bet if I went up to like one of those and was just like, "Hey, boy," they would just be like jumping around, want me to throw a ball. Right, like right. they weren't exactly yeah, no. the most
0: menacing hounds I've seen on this show, or. <laughs> 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 but yeah, they catch him because they can't leave Halig behind, and I get it. But like they get so close to getting away, and it just it breaks my heart. So they're put back on the ship, and. This part is just the worst. Like
1: this is Tailing has been
0: shot by two arrows at least within like the past, you know, few minutes and they basically just strap him to the front of the boat and I think it was it was basically the idea is they had to row because then the the is it the prow of the ship is the front part. I don't know. The front of the ship would go into the water and hayleigh would drown and sort of get A cleaner death than just, like, you know, getting splashed in the face by the elements and, you know, prolonging it. So basically, like, Uhtred has to basically kill his friend by rowing. Right. And it's so devastating and it's so brutal. And it's just, I don't know, it's just a reminder that even if you're a good person, especially on this show, like, it's not going to end well for you.
1: I mean, it's got to be, like... One of the worst ways to go. I think it, even in medieval I think times. it's the
0: worst death we've seen so far because, like, oh, how long was he? So, it's so drawn I'm out. It's so drawn out, and how terrifying would it be to be, you know, strapped to the prow of a ship? And I just, ugh, it was awful. It was awful.
1: And he can't swim. We learned that in the beginning right. of the episode. He can't swim, so, so that like, like the f- this is his worst it nightmare. Is. It was such like a specifically
0: horrific death for this person and. Just, like, what a terrifying way to go.
1: And that's just... Ugh, yeah. it's And poor it. You can tell it, like, really breaks him. Ugh. Just the way he is just, like, sobbing so quietly while he's rowing this boat and killing his friend. It's devastating. It's tough. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, they go aboard. And we first mentioned this earlier. Like, basically, um, in term, like, they... Alfred decided that he would accept Guthrid's offer of Gisela if they also told Kjartan that Uhtred was alive and how to kill him. Because they're like, you know, why waste our men when there's somebody who's perfectly willing to do it on their own. So Sven is like waiting to kill Uhtred as they, you know, as the slave ship pulls up and you can tell that Uhtred is just like he has no fight in him left. And it's Mm -hmm. so devastating and of course Sven is loving it because he loves seeing, you know, people weakened and it's just I hate that fucking guy. But luckily, Ragnar, Hild, and Seappa arrive just in time to save him. And it's just, ugh. It's so good, but it's so devastating. It just, it kills me. Like, when Ragnar finds him and Uhtred is, like, shocked and sobbing. And he's like, did you believe we would abandon you? That's, ugh, that um, line just, it broke me. It broke me. It, Ragnar's a real one. He is.
1: Um What's even worse, I think, than, yeah, so they come in and they save them. It's really nice. Um, Finan kills the slave master, which was was like a a real, like, fist-pumping moment for me. 100%. um, Just the way that was acted out. I mean, so many props because it was just, you just felt the satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then also the anguish kind of just releasing in that death. What's even worse, I think, is is the aftermath of that. So, so Sven um, hightails it out of there. He gets away, of course, and uh, they rescue the the Utrid and Finn, and they free the slaves. Yeah. And they're kind of like all around this fire, and everyone's just kind of watching him because it's like you can tell, like this is not the person like that. Left, you know what I mean. This is like this person has come back. He's gone through some trauma, and we don't know how to approach Mm -hmm. him. And I feel like that's one of the ways. So you know, this is a this is a show set in medieval times. Like it's easy to like disassociate with it, but like that is I don't know. That felt so like relevant and real in a way to like see how all of these people are trying to like welcome this person back after they've been through such a trauma, and they just don't know. How to talk to him or how to approach him. And of course, of course, it's Hild that Uh, is able to kind of break through and connect with him in probably the most beautiful scene of this show. It's my favorite scene in the series. You are Utrid, son of Utrid, Lord of
0: Beppenberg. It's time you remembered that.
1: You kept the blade sharp.
0: I need your ten. Like I love the show, but this scene in particular—it's so beautifully done and beautifully acted—and is such, it's such a perfect example of the bond that these two characters have. You know, like Uhtred is in a field and he's like almost dead to the world, and Hild comes to take care of him, and she's so gentle with him, and like. You know, there's that moment where she's like, all right, take off your clothes. And he can't, like, he's so weak, he can't even, like, lift his arms to take off his clothes. Mm -hmm. And so to have that moment where Hilde, like, cuts him out of his shirt and dresses his wounds and sees everything that he's gone through and how, in Utra's eyes, he's, like, less of a man now, you know? Like, he's been humbled. He's, Mm -hmm. like, you know, he was taken advantage of in a physical way. And for her to be, like... Listen, you are Uhtred, son of Uhtred. It's time that you remember that, you know. In response mm-hmm. to him being sort of ashamed of his reduced circumstances, and ugh. I just it's such a beautiful moment and the reveal that she kept his blade sharp the whole time because she knew he oh would God. be back. I was like, oh, healed. I was also quietly. So yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And I love it. was the it was the swords that really it's got the me when <laughs> she was like, I knew I needed feedback," back. I was like,
1: oh, my God. She, they're just so. like,
0: they're the best of bros. She gets him. He gets her. <laughs> and I love it when he tells her you're too good a woman for God alone because you're like, oh, there's the, che- <laughs> there there's he is. the cheeky. We know and love. And it's just ugh, it's so good. And it's so it's so beautifully shot. Like I'm a real sucker for cinematography and just the way that the light is filtering through the grass. It's perfect. It's a perfect scene of television. And I feel blessed to have witnessed it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's like an overstatement at all. If anything, we're understating how, how good, good it is. Scene it's so is. good. Oh god, it's so <sighs> good. They both actors just do a, an awesome job mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just shot so well and there's so much I'm there's not a lot said, sure. but there's so much in the quiet moments between exactly.
0: them. Exactly. And I am just I'm a real sucker for good character work and this was great character work. For sure. So and yeah. So yeah. after that, they you know they kind of fight about what they're going to do next. He and Ragnar because Ragnar's like, dude, I've got to take you back to Wessex. I'm basically a prisoner. I've got to do this. And he's Breed is still Brita's still back there. I made, a there. Promise. I made a promise. Like great that you got your mojo back. Right. But... <laughs> and he's you know so of course going to kill Kiartan and save Tira is once again postponed. But one thing that mm-hmm. um, Uhtred will not postpone is going to get Gisela. Gotta swing by that nunnery Gotta swing and pick that up by girl. Which is good because, yikes, mm-hmm. that abbot was just, like, ready to— I feel like marriage by proxy is not a
1: thing. Is that a thing? I've never heard of that before. So marriage by proxy is a okay. thing. Um, it happened a lot, especially, like, I don't know about in this time, but, like, I'm a, a real sucker for, like, uh, when we're in, like, England, like, King Henry. Oh, Yeah. The, Fifth and eighth and those kind of times, and so that was a real thing in those times because, um, you know, kings and queens and princes and princesses were married from, and they were from different kingdoms, Mm -hmm. and so you know maybe the the prince was going to still stay in France, but he was going to marry the English princess or something, and so it was by proxy, and so it is a real thing. Um, It is considered marriage, but. Uh, you definitely had to say the vows, and you definitely had to be willing to to do right. it. And so I think that's what's, like, not, like, holding this up for me is because yeah. Gisla is just so against this in every way. And he's like, we're going to dispense with this. We're going to dispense with that. And it's like, well, and everyone, so you're just going to dispense with the whole ceremony and just say she's married. Right. That's not right And real. everybody...
0: Who's witnessing is horrified. Like, nobody's stepping in to save him, but, like, you know, even Aelfric's man was like, yikes, this is bad. You know, he's
1: like, I got a he's wife. like uh, uh, Yeah, it's not good.
0: <laughs> and she wanted to marry him. Right. I'm right. But yeah, Uhtred <laughs> finds yeah, it's her. Worse. It's amazing. And, you know, they were just going to just take her. But yeah, but, he wouldn't show up, up. He played chicken and he lost. And Uhtred stabs the shit out of him. It's a great moment. It's what he deserved. And like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Like killing an unarmed priest in a church. And Hild is obviously upset. But like, come on. He was a super evil dude. He got what he deserved. He
1: totally deserved it. Do as you wish. In sight of God, she's married.
0: She's what? She is Mm -hmm. married. Is she married? Yes. He's a man of God. Say it one more time, please, and I swear the devil will take you. You're nothing but a heathen, and the bitch is married.
1: Even when he was sticking that knife in him, I knew it was going to backfire later. Um, But I can't. I can't really regret no. him doing that because that guy needed that to go. Yeah. He was bad and if he were he were left to live he would have made life hell for Utrid and Gisela and he would have kept like scheming and it it was a survival thing I think at that point too. Yeah. Like Uhtred realized like just what a threat he could be and he also just hated him. Yeah. So it was earned. Um unfortunately that means when Utrid arrives uh back in Wessex and meets up with Alfred Alfred's very happy to see him because he tells him he's missed his childish insults. So good. Which is, like, the closest thing to, like, sweet talk we're ever going to get with these two. And, you know, it
0: was, you know, they mentioned that earlier, like, Steapa was like, Alfred sent us to get you. Like, you know, he's fond of you. And so they had to, you know, like, Alfred gives a shit, but also he can never stop being... A tactical thinker, you know? And so, like, you know, they have this nice reunion. He tells them about his candles, whatever. And then he's like, so, basically, you killed a priest. And I'm going to blame it on Ragnar if you don't come and work for me again. And Uhtred is really... Gotta love that blackmail. Yeah, and Uhtred really has no choice because he knows that it's not Ragnar's fault. So he's obviously not going to let him take the blame for it. So he's back in the service of Alfred after serving a lesser king. So... God, it sucks, but I'm glad they'll be back, like, together again because I just I love the dynamic. I love it.
1: I love it. I, I do. I love them together. And so this was, like, in terms of, like, story, this was a good way to stick them back together and make sure they stayed together. Because otherwise, I mean, knowing the kind of person that Uhtred is, he is going to go back up north and go, you know— Take on Kjartan and Sven Mm -hmm. and and do his own thing, and then go up to Bergenberg. Like he's gonna follow his own his destiny, his destiny, Um, his destiny (laughs) is all. Um, So this was a good way of kind of roping him into still being in in the action. And the real action of the show is always going to be the formation of England. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, exactly. So it makes sense from that point of view. I just wish, I wish there was a little bit more holding these two together at this point than just like some like begrudging fondness and like an oath born of blackmail you know like I wish I don't know I wanted more with this reunion as far as like recognizing like value I almost lost you and you were so valuable you know that was never gonna happen and and then Uhtred recognizing like Alfred you you saved me my brother and you saved me yeah I know it was never gonna happen I just wanted it (laughs) that makes sense instead we got talk of candles (laughs) And I love that Utrid was like, wouldn't those be better to bring yeah. <laughs> which shows, Which shows like how
0: it's, it's such a great example of how their thinking differs. You know, like Alfred mm-hmm. is playing the long game. He's like willing to like do the seemingly crazy things if he thinks that it'll help his cause. When Utrid is like 100% practicality. You know what I mean? He's like, mm-hmm. real world, I'm out in the mud so I know how things work. You keep your theorizing, but I'm going to light my candles at night so I don't waste them.
1: It also indicates just the different backgrounds they come from. So, like, Uhtred lives a hard life. Even even when things are great, he's still leading armies. He's still fighting battles. He's still in the mud. Like, he will always live that kind of physically kind of toll. It takes a toll on you kind of life. And Alfred is always going to be in his fancy-ass robes, in his castle, theorizing and writing and just planning. And so... I think, like, their different points of view come from that as well. as like, Alfred doesn't have to think about the same shit that Uhtred has to think about. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. So, But they can never— They can oh, never so just work together. They never recognize I that. I know. <laughs> I know. It's killer. It's killer. So. God. Men. Get your shit together. <laughs> VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each
1: skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I think we've earned our next episode wishes mm. now. Uh, So it's that time. This is when we issue our demands for upcoming episodes, like the spoiled toddlers that we are. Here's what we want to see, when we want to see it, and why we won't be denied. Alyssa, what do you want to see happen next? Listen,
0: it's one of those things. Like I know it's not going to happen, but someone just let Uhtred rest for like, just like (laughs) let him take a nap, let him take a bubble (laughs) bath, let him you know reconnect with Gisela. Like I know he won't because Alfred is going to Alfred, and he you know manipulates him back into his service immediately but I just like <laughs> Alfred right, be Alfred <laughs> right, Alfred gonna Alfred and it just but I just ugh just let him rest please um, but like at the same time like it bums me out that Ushu was tricked by Alfred again but like we said like I'm super psyched that these two will be interacting on the right again because that's sort of like you said begrudging regard mixed with you know the constantly raised hackles as they're like feeling each other out and knowing the other is going to you know probably want to do a different thing it's such a fascinating combo to me so i'm really glad to be back to that after like dealing with Guthrid and his like spinelessness and also please god someone just kills Fen already because he's such a chicken shit and he keeps like wriggling out of these situations where he should be dead and just like just do it already please
1: yes um agree i would like to send that prayer up to the heavens mm. I don't think it's going to happen soon just because Uhtred is now back with Alfred and that's happening. Right. Uh, but I would like Uncle Eilfridge to die. Mm. I think uh, he needs to just be added to the list. Yeah. Um, maybe bump him up. As much as I hate Sven, like, I don't see Sven as as much of a threat as Eilfridge or um, Kiartan. Okay. Maybe. Like I, he's like. Sure. I think in terms of, like. It's going to be the most satisfying yeah. death, I think. Yeah. Um, but him and his little like haute decor <laughs> eye patch, like that thing was just sparkling in the sun mm. this episode, and I was like, did he like change eye he patches? Bedazzled like it in it's his sparkly off time. now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. There's just something about him that I just does not seem threatening or or like as immediate as these other That's two. Fair. And I also think after seeing how he. Interacts with Tira, I feel like no. she's also kind of He's still awful. He's still awful. No, 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 no. Not that he like loves her. I think, but she's like, he's not a threat to her either because okay. he seems afraid of yeah, her. Yeah, that's fair. Um I don't think Kiartan is afraid of her. Oh, and I yeah, feel like no. if anyone were to cause her harm, it would be Kiartan or on Kiartan's orders. Mm. And so I feel like Sven, um, oh God, he's such a worm. Rip it and at I the can't root. wait to like just yeah, I can't wait to, like, bury him in the ground, but let's also kill, like, his dad while we're yeah. at it. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, though. So mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the Last
0: Kingdom has a massive cast of interesting characters, and nearly everyone gets their time to shine. Our Arsling of the Week is the character who truly goes above and beyond to win the war or simply win our hearts. Jessica, who is your Arsling this week? Or this episode.
1: So it shouldn't be any surprise. It's going to be Hild uh, for me this she episode. She rolled. Ugh, she's amazing. I mean, as excited as I was to see Finnan, um, and I love his snark and what his presence like brings to the show. Mm. Uh, I think Hild being so soft with yeah. Uhtred in that, in that damn spring meadow. Uh, so good. Um, it was just a dream. It was a highlight of this episode. I mean, it probably the best moment of this entire series it might be the highlight of my life <laughs> I don't know um, so yeah all in
0: for Hill this episode yeah, I'm right there with you Um, but I'm going to pour one out for uh, dear Halig he was mm. always so good and loyal and for, respect yeah and at the you know for that goodness he was punished with the worst death we've seen so far and I was just it was awful and he didn't deserve that and even with all of the horrible things that happened to him like he endured it all, and he never betrayed Utrid and he went out a real one, and we'll miss you, buddy.
1: Not many like him out yeah, there. Yeah, like,
0: just the whole—like, he could have easily, you know, traded in Utrid and been like, hey, here's who this guy is, maybe make my life mm-hmm. a little better, and he never did. He never did.
1: He could have avoided going on that ship altogether. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he begged to go with Utrid. That's how, you know, much he loved him and how loyal he was to him. So, yeah, respect to— to the bro, I mean he was ride or die and he did die. Oh, and <laughs> it's too, sad. Literal. It's so sad. too literal. <laughs> too literal. Yeah. Too soon, maybe. Um get used to it, Alyssa. Okay, I you know, need to harden I know, your heart I know. I'm sorry, I have a soft heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford that I know. with this I show. Know. Yeah, we'll never make it. Get ready to shame none, the worst character of this episode with us. It doesn't matter if you're a Saxon or a Dane. Anyone can be a turd, and we're calling out the biggest one of the episode. This is our What a Turd section, and Alyssa, you get to go first. Who did you hate this episode? Um,
0: There are a lot of hateable people in this episode. You've got (laughs) abbots and slave traders and all these awful dudes, but I just, like— Uncle Elfrick really is a shithead through and through mm. like when he finds out that he can't have Ushers head like the next second he's like all right i'll take his girl then and it's just it's such a rat bastard move and i ugh, i just i hate him and i'm so sick of him sitting pretty up in bebenberg and just please let utrid kill him it's time it's past time this guy needs to go but i know it been it's time. been time and i know <laughs> it's not gonna happen for a while but i'm just like jesus christ get
1: this fucking guy out of here yeah he's a lot to handle. And he is he's just like one one of many piles of shit this episode. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm gonna just settle on the recently departed understandable
0: understandable uh,
1: he he wasn't on this show for long, but he really made an impact in like the worst of ways. Mm-hmm. And forcing a woman into marriage is just such a slime ball move. But I think, Repeatedly, like claiming that she's married when both her and her Viking lover tell you to shut your lying mouth. Like, you're just asking for a knife like right in the kidney. Yeah. And, you know, sorry to you, Abbott. I mean, hope you enjoy hell because that's where you're yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a great time for him. But yeah, I can't disagree. <laughs> like,
0: that guy's the, the worst. You'll be surrounded
1: by people just like yeah. you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, this is clearly a very serious podcast about a very serious show, but sometimes it's nice to indulge in a little thirst. It's 2019, the world is on fire, and honestly, we deserve this. So this is our time to celebrate the thirstiest moments that really blew our skirts up this
1: episode. It was a pretty dry episode, except that we were on a boat most of the time and praying that, like, our favorites would not Hmm. drown. So I don't know if that's, like, a... You know, an accurate kind of phrase to use. I think (laughs) we didn't have a lot of moments of thirst. um, So maybe we'll just take a moment of silence to appreciate uh, Uhtred's biceps. Because rowing a slave ship, it really does something for the arm and the toning there. And um, also Finan's beard, which looks bushy enough uh, to keep any girl warm during those hard cold. Icelandic winters
0: you know you're correct this was not a particularly thirsty episode however I'm gonna say a little th- something about Uhtred like again it's the horse girl in me Uhtred galloping across the <laughs> fields to go and rescue his woman like that was hot it was hot so your girl loves a oh little romance. girl your girl loves a little romance and these two really deliver so it's a little bit more
1: like lovey-dovey than sexy but I'll take it I get it. Look, I, it makes me think of. I was just watching this episode of Big Mouth uh, where they're reading this Rock of Gibraltar uh, yes. book, and the the dude turns into yes. a horse. And I literally was like, "Oh my, like, god, it's oh my god, this is fantasy!" <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa must oh, have died god. for this
0: episode. I felt seen. I felt seen.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I always sure. feel
0: seen when I watch
1: Big Mouth, but that episode yes. spoke to me. But yeah, yeah, that was a that was a real sexy time. <laughs> The dad, Marty, the dad, like, puts on a saddle and tries to get, like, sexy with his wife. That is not (laughs) as far, but, yeah. Too far. (laughs) Too far. (laughs) Sure, Alyssa, sure. It's safe to say that we've never been accused of being unenthusiastic in our fandom. We annoy our family, our friends, and now you are devoted listeners. Uh, Welcome to Geek Out, where we will offer up our humble suggestions about what we think you should be watching and reading this week. Uh, Alyssa, what are you, like, super excited about um, this week? For me, it was
0: all about the return of The Good Place last night. Um, season four, Ugh. our final season, and it was a great episode, so like, sort of reestablishing everything. Because I feel like every season of The Good Place, like, the premiere episode is always kind of like a hard reboot. And the, you know, the what they're trying to accomplish sort of. is tweaked and changed and a lot of times like you know with some characters who shall remain nameless they don't even really know what's going on anymore and so there's always there's always something new and fresh that they have to sort of discover and I just I'm my heart is broken that this is the last season but at the same time I'm really happy that it's going to go out while it's still good and still wonderful and I yeah on its own terms and it's such a high concept show that I don't want to like ever see them run out of track and so it's just I'm so glad it's back I love these characters so much like it's one of those shows that I can't pick a favorite character because they're all my favorite I love them all they're all the best and I this episode was really good even though it just it broke my heart because I'm such and Eleanor and Cheedy shipper and it just ugh that, that scene <laughs> oh, where like she just, I know it's it's so good but like that scene where she like shows him the room with the books I was like dying it was devastating that he doesn't remember her and I just I can't even handle it so they're gonna fix I gonna know they're fixed, gonna fix it, it not, but like it's it's there's be. gonna be twists <laughs> it's gonna hurt my feelings but also it's just it's perfect I love that show so anyway good place for me everybody watch it the season four premiere. Such a is good show,
1: I, and I do love talking about like the good plays and talking about like Shit's Creek and like Superstore, like these comedies that are like they're just like happy, they're just feel good, they're just like they take on some serious stuff, but it's like no one has to be mean or like you know what I yeah. mean. Like no one has to like rib on each other to make a joke. Like it's just. Just funny, just because it's funny. Like and it's I don't know. funny. I always feel better after watching. Yeah, these shows. and I love them
0: because like they're funny, but not at the expense of being thoughtful. You know, like these shows, yeah. they're so they're so well done and they're so well written that yes, they're hilarious. And sometimes the jokes are stupid. Like whatever, you know, Stonehenge was a sex thing coming from. A uh, an elephant <laughs> full of, made of light. Like, that's ridiculous. But they still have, you know, they have these beautiful things to say. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. So what is your
1: geek out for the week? <laughs> okay, so not a feel-good comedy, <laughs> um, but Peaky Blinders is coming back next uh, week, season five. So this is a show, it's a BBC show, but it's on netflix the fifth season is coming out on netflix it's already been out um across the pond and it's got like such amazing talent it's such a good show uh it's about like these 1920s gangsters oh my god it's i know just the accents like will pull you in killian murphy's in it um Sam Claflin uh, is in it this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finnick from Hunger Games, shout mm-hmm. out. He plays a fascist. Oh, cool. <laughs> So he, like, plays the worst kind of yeah. dude. Uh, but he's very good yeah. at it. And, um, yeah, there's just so many good, so many good people on it. Uh, Tom Hardy has been on it. Helen McCrory is on it. There's just a lot of talent there. And it's just, I feel like it's not a show that gets a lot of, like, buzz. Yeah. But it's very well acted the cinematography is amazing and it's got this opening song it's the same for every season and um it is a fucking banger (laughs) and like you won't be able to get it out of your head once you start watching you'll just like when you hear like that song come on it's I think it's called like the red his like red right hand or okay. something oh my god it's so yeah. good so yeah if you're if you're wanting some like gritty crime gangster drama mm. in your life from the 1920s with dudes who have like really sharp like haircuts okay uh, this, is, this is your yeah. show hmm.
0: oh
1: sounds it sounds like a lot oh my god Alyssa Speaking of haircuts, we never talked about the haircut. Oh my god! That's gonna be our that's gonna be our small talk next. Okay, episode. we'll have to plug something we wrote like down. two
0: weeks ago. But yeah, it's great. But it's still it's relevant. Still relevant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's still something I think about every sure, day. I get it. I get it.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. If you want to hear more of our bullshitting, check us out on Twitter or over at Sci Fi Wire Fangirls. We've got links to everything below this episode. And until next time, destiny is all bitches.